0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. If you don't know, we have kids in Canada. Our oldest daughter and son-in-law and two of our grandkids live in Canada. And they're in ministry up there on the Upper East Coast. PEI is where they are. And we were on FaceTime with them this week and and just getting to connect. And, And Heather started a thing every Sunday evening uh, she gets on Facetime with her oldest granddaughter, who's four, and they read together. And uh, it just—it's it, it, amazing the technology that we have to connect that way. And and I'm grateful for it because we haven't gotten to hug our our kids or grandkids in over a year. And uh, I'm grateful for the technology. But I gotta say, there's nothing like a hug, right? There's nothing like being in the same room. There's nothing like being in the presence with each other. To kind of just, just, just be, right? I mean, we, we go, 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 but we, we very rarely take time to just to be with others, and, and I just I, I miss that. I don't know when I'm going to get to see them again. I don't know when, the, when things are going to change and, and, and all that. And Heather and I are trying to figure out ways. I mean, we'll, we'll censor this online. We're trying to figure out ways how to smuggle ourselves into Canada, um, <laughs> but we are just, we, I mean, and, and I, I'm tenacious, but Heather takes it to a whole new level. I mean because i mean she 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 doesn't want anything in between her and her grandkids and uh so just pray for our family with that and and uh Heather's parents are in this weekend, and it's the first time she's got gotten, gotten to see them in a year and a couple months, and so it's just nice reconnecting and so uh, if you're here love connecting with you if you're watching online, we look forward to the chance where we get to reconnect with you and be in the same place and and hug you and love on you and uh, I think of the cartoon right I'm going to hug them and love them and squeeze them that just that's so. There's crazy stuff that just falls up in the back of my mind, and sometimes it makes its way out, and it shouldn't, okay? And Heather's, Heather's coaching me on that, and sometimes it just happens. And uh, So I, I, Heather and I are, are taking kind of the sabbatical, and what we call it is an intentional rest, Is uh, we want to? It's not just to go uh, vacation. We we have intentional plans for this, um, where Jesus would do that, where he disconnected from his ministry to be able to just just get in with the Father. Grateful that our church leadership is has actually uh, recommended strongly this, and and I just want I want you to know that Heather and I are taking this from a healthy place. Sometimes you'll get an announcement. If you've been in other churches, you'll get an announcement like that, like what's going on. Um, Heather and I are stepping. Into this from a healthy perspective uh, because we, when we were raising our kids, um, Heather and I would go on a vacation with the family each year and we would go on a vacation by ourselves. And, and our kids would get so upset, like, Why can't we go? Don't you love us? Oh, no. You know, they'd pull the guilt trip card. But this is what we would tell our kids you need mommy and daddy to go away on this vacation because this is what helps us to be the parents that you deserve and so with 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 this time, this intentional rest, Heather and I want to be the pastors that you deserve, and we want to be the pastors that God has called up and and we want to be walking in vision, and we want to be walking in favor with that and so that's what that's what this time is really all about. So pray for us, pray for us, pray for us and uh and and you know if we get somehow get into Canada, pray for us to get out um, so <laughs> that's not in the plan, but you never know. So uh, we've been in the uh, study of Philippians and um, uh, Philippians chapter one is where we are this weekend. So if you've got your Bible, you can go there. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on Version, which is an app that we use. We put all of our notes and discussion questions in YouVersion. Uh, you can also uh, uh, follow along on the screen or on your TV at home. And uh, so... Uh, uh, Philippians chapter one, Find joy in everything. We, we, we're understanding through this series that we don't manufacture joy and that joy can exist in, in all scenarios. I mean, chapter one, really the theme of chapter one is joy and suffering. And what Paul is reminding the church in Philippi is that, that, that all the suffering I'm going through, it has a purpose and it's serving to advance the gospel. There, it's not just meaningless suffering. It's not just meaningless trials and meaningless pain. It's not just, God doesn't send us through anything without a purpose. God doesn't allow something into our life without a purpose. And 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 Paul was telling him about how much he loves them and his affection for him. And and last week we really kind of looked at how he says everything that's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, to take the message of Jesus. And and so at a time where people are kind of upset because of Paul's incarceration and and, and he's not being treated fairly or he's just preaching the gospel and now now he's incarcerated. And and, and he talks about this idea of joy and he he starts out at the end of uh, verse 18. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. I mean, he talks about they were pre- some were preaching the gospel because they have ill motives, and some are preaching from sincere. Either way, whatever, they're preaching Jesus. Are people getting saved? Yes, in that I rejoice, in that, 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 uh, that Jesus is being spoken of. And he says, yes, and I will rejoice. And then he goes, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So he says, not only you need to know what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, but all, that this, all this is going on. See, you're, you're praying for me, and I need your prayer. Look, it's important for us to lock in with each other in prayer. Like, well, why should I pray? What does it do? It does everything. It aligns our heart with the heart of God. I mean, I, I, I'll hear people go, well, well, if God's sovereign and God's in control, why should I even pray? If God already knows what's gonna happen, why pray? What prayer does, it... It brings us into alignment with God's will. I mean, you look at Jesus in the garden before he's crucified. I mean, Jesus is fully God, fully man. And more on that next week, y'all, hint, hint. Uh, But he's fully God, fully man. And he knows what he was born to do. And yet he goes into the garden to pray before his crucifixion. And he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, I'm all ears. If, there, if there's another plan, because he knows the pain that's coming. He knows what's about to happen. And he says, if there's any other way that this happens, I, I, I'm in. But it, then he says something else. Here's the alignment of wills. Nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. See, when we pray it's not to try to get God to do what we want him to do. Prayer is us coming into alignment with what God wants to do. I mean, even the model prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, we talk about, you know, your will in heaven may it also be done on earth. So what we're saying is, God, I'm not asking to change your will. I'm asking you to change me to step into your will, that I'm submitting to you. I'm humbling myself to you. I want what you want more than what I want because I can want broken things and I want things that are only gonna be temporary and they're fleeting, but I want what you want. And he says, your prayers for me are important and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit that he's speaking of. This will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed But that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You need to know something. What everything that's happened to me has served a purpose to advance the gospel. People are hearing the gospel. People's lives, people's eternities are being forever changed. The, the the chains that we have, Paul's in physical chains, but the chains that we have on our heart and on our soul, those chains are being loosed. That's what the gospel does. It goes out. It's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. He goes. That's what's going on. And I know that your prayers for me, and by the power of the Spirit at work within me, I'm not going to be ashamed in this. And and that this will turn out for my deliverance. And one thing I can tell you for certain is that Christ will be glorified if I live and Christ will be glorified if I die. He says, it doesn't matter. No matter what happens to me, my life is not my own. It, this is all about Jesus. And this, this word, when he says to honor Christ, it, it really, when you go and look at it, that there's a context of it of magnification. That in my life, Jesus will be magnified. In my death, Jesus will be magnified. Now he doesn't mean that we, we, we make Jesus bigger, right? I mean, how do you make the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of all the earth, the giver of life, the one who was the lamb sacrificed before the foundation of of the world so that we could have freedom? How do you make anybody like that bigger? I mean, you put Jesus in a room with men and he's a man among boys, all right? You know, in the South, they'd say he's an alligator among lizards, right? You cannot make Jesus any bigger than he is. But one thing you got to understand in context, when, when we look at our responsibility to magnify the Lord, think about it this way. A telescope is much smaller than the star, but it makes the star much more visible to the people looking through the telescope. What Paul's is saying is there's no way I can make Jesus bigger but I can magnify him through my life that as you look at my life, listen, as you look at my suffering, as you look at my imprisonment, as you look at my chains, you will see Christ more and more and more. That's what he means by honor him. Like I'm I'm gonna make it all about him. It's his life. It's his will. It's his purpose. And then he says this, this famous verse, right? Verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So what he's telling them is, listen, guys, I know you're praying for me, and I know, I know you're, you're concerned, but, but all of this has a purpose. And, and listen, if, if, I, if I live, it's to make Jesus magnified, right? If I live, it's for his honor. But if I die, it's gain. Because the only thing death can do to a Christian is make my life eternally better. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I, I'm in this broken body. I, I'm in a broken world, and I've been redeemed, man. God has forgiven me by the grace of Jesus Christ that He poured out on the cross through His blood. I'm new. I'm in Him. So when I when I it's that that instant, man. You know, I will know. I, I will know when God is done with me right here, because I'll be staring at Him face to face. And in that instant, in that instant, my life has just gotten eternally better. I mean, just, just think about it, you know, I'm in a place where there's, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, there's no more funerals, there's no more divorce, there's no more worry. There, you know, heaven is a place where there's, there's not, even, not even any shadow. I think, when I was praying through this, I was thinking of Lazarus, and I don't know if you know the story of Lazarus or not, but Jesus rolls up and Lazarus had been dead for four days, And Jesus, I mean, it's an amazing scene, but Jesus calls Lazarus from the grave. He's like, Lazarus, come out. And he's bound up in the grave clothes. And I started thinking about Lazarus. He's like, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I don't want to go back to that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you ever do this. You kind of go back and look at some of the places you've been. And you're like, you know, maybe you've been in some hard places. Maybe you've been in some dark places. Maybe there's been difficult times in your life. And you look back at that, and you're like, I don't ever want to do that again. I mean, I think about Lazarus. I mean, he's in heaven. He's like, all of a sudden, Jesus, is like, you, maybe he's in. Like, I think somebody called your name, Lazarus. No, 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 I didn't hear anything. Lord, out of the grave. And I really, I, y'all are hearing things, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe it's, you know, something in your ear. But he, st- he had to step out of perfection back into the brokenness. And what Paul's saying is, listen, if I'm going to live, it, it's going to be for the glory of God. It's going to be to magnify Christ. But if I die, it's gain. And then, and then he, he goes into, we get into his mind a little bit. And I love this because this is kind of where the, the crux of our, our teaching is. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. What do I choose? Is what he's saying. He's like, How do I make a decision? He says, I'm hard pressed between these two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So, what he's saying is, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn here, guys. As he's writing, he doesn't know his fate. None of us know our fate. And he's saying, I I don't know which one I'd choose, guys. I mean, if I stay, if I live, it's fruitful labor. If I die, that's far better. But he says this. He says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He makes a shift. I'm having a hard time choosing. You know, notice he says, I. What shall I choose? If I die, if I live, if, but, but he, here, there's a shift here. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's, he's now moved from a, from, a, from a me first to you first. And he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus, because of my coming to you again. What he's saying, I'll see you again. He says, I'm convinced that I'm going to stay. What what Paul does in this moment is he chooses life. He says, I'm convinced of this that I, I'm choosing life because it's it's better for you. And, and, and he's my life is not my own anyway. I mean, when you look at when you look at how, how Paul even looks at his own life in Galatians chapter uh, two. He says, he says I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. The life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what he's saying is, is I, I, it's not even my life. The life I'm choosing to live is not the life Paul wants to write. It's The life I choose to live is not Matt's life. I'm choosing to live this gospel-centered life, this life focused on Jesus and all about magnifying him and glorifying him. That's what I'm choosing, guys. That's what he's telling the church. That's our declaration. When we come to faith in Christ, we're saying, Jesus, I'm choosing your life. And in that, there's a transfer that takes place, that our sin that, that, that so weighs us down and condemns us to hell, that is now taking Taken off of our account, the righteousness of God is placed on our account. The death that we're born into is now made alive, that we're made alive in Christ. He breathes into our spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in and takes up residence. And this life that we live is abundant life. It's full life, that my flesh has been crucified with Christ. So he says, to live is Christ. Because if I'm drawing breath on this earth, It's for the glory of God. And if I die, I'm going home, y'all. But I'm staying. I'm convinced of this. Because God wants me to help you in your joy and help you in your faith. I love how God loves us so much that he gives us one another. That this whole concept of church, as strange and awkward and as broken as it can sometimes be, is a reflection of God's love for us because he gives us one another to say, I've given you, and I'm convinced of this, that in your community, in your relationship as a church, that you will help each other grow in joy and grow in faith because we're all going to hit moments. We may not be faced uh, of sitting in, in incarceration in Rome pr- pr- preaching the gospel, but we find ourselves in these places of life that are difficult, that are dark and we're sitting around and all we see is the brokenness and all we see is pain and all we see is the trial and we need someone to come alongside of us to say, hey, 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 even in this, even in this, God is doing something. And we hit those moments where we, we, we have a choice to make. I mean, God put it in front of the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 30, he says, I, I put before you life and death. Choose life. What Paul's putting before the church in Philippi is, this is the choice in front of me. And here's what I choose. I choose to live this gospel life. I choose this. And then verse 27 goes on. He says, okay, I chose life. Now you choose life. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So he said, the life you choose, you want to write. The life you choose, let it be worthy of the gospel. What does that mean? Let it be worthy of reflecting and magnifying Jesus. Let it be worthy of the power of God, of salvation in your life. Live that life. Choose life and choose the life that reflects the glory of God, not the glory of self. And he says, choose that life so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, so whether I can come or not, I can hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents." See, there was, there was, there was kind of external pressure and internal pressure happening in the churches at this time. And he's, he's calling them to unity. He's saying you can stand firm in one spirit, this life, stand alive together and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What he's saying is is when we choose life, we're in this life together, y'all and we walk in it confidently. We don't walk in fear. There will be opposition to the gospel. There will be opposition to faith. But he said, you you don't have to be afraid in that. This life that you choose, you walk in confidence. And and he he says that you have been granted two things here. What that means, that that word uh, granted, is you've been given the privilege. Because God loves us so much and gave his son for us, and he set before us a life to choose, a life in Christ. He's given us a privilege of believing in Christ. It's a privilege to believe in Christ. There's times I struggle with that. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm human. You're human. If we're going to get honest about faith, we'll, we'll recognize there's days we're like, man, I just don't know. But we, we have this privilege of belief, this privilege of faith. But he says that also comes with another privilege, And this is kind of an oxymoron, right? The privilege of suffering. I have been given the privilege of faith to stand firm and confident in no matter what comes. And I've been given the privilege of suffering, suffering for his sake. Because Jesus was honest with his disciples. He doesn't bait and switch us. He says, man, the world's gonna hate you on my account. I mean, you just go look at the death of some of the apostles. And Peter, dude was a mess, much like you would are, and I am too. Himself worthy to be crucified like Christ, so he was crucified upside down. I mean, when Jesus said the world's going to hate you on my account, that's, he's not going he's not winning our sales, y'all. He's being honest with us. And listen, I don't don't go looking for opposition. I mean, if, if you're the guy that wants to go stand on a street corner and yell about everybody's sin, but I love you on the way out the door. That's not suffering for Christ when people start shouting you down. You know, persecution doesn't come because we're a jerk. When he talks about suffering for Christ, this is what Paul's saying. I have the privilege of sitting incarceration with the Roman guard. I have the privilege of sitting with Caesar's household and sharing the gospel with them. I have the, 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 see, these chains also have a privilege. It gives me a voice to speak, to magnify, to glorify the name that is above all names, that he'll write just a couple paragraphs later. So there's this, this, this joy, this privilege that comes in it. And our, our our suffering has a purpose. Listen, we go through things and we try to diagnose and get to the bottom line like, why, why am I going through this? I mean, I can look back and there's a lot of times of suffering in my life. It's because I did something stupid. But there's also times in my life that I engage in inner suffering because I did something right. I mean, people will talk about, you know, I just feel this, this oppression and this attack from the enemy and, and I just feel like the devil's out to get me. What am I doing wrong? Maybe you should reframe that. Maybe, maybe, I'm not saying every case, maybe you're doing something right. And somehow in our mind, we try to reconcile that if, I, if, I, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then everything should go right. Where, where's that promise? The time I'll see the fulfillment of that is to die is gain. That's when everything gets set right. When Paul says, to live is Christ and die is gain, we we have a choice too. If we put anything else in that first blank, we miss it. I mean, think about it. If if we say, to live is money, right? Then to die means to leave it all behind. If we say to live is fame and reputation, then to die is to be forgotten. None of us remember way back in the family tree, everybody's faint. It gets forgotten. If we, to live for anything other than Christ, listen to me, then to die is done. It's over. There's no reset. It's It's over. And that's, that's the choice Paul's making. That's the choice he's putting in front of the church in Philippi. That's the choice that God is putting in front of us today because he says, you, you got to choose. You have a choice in this. And I, I, would, I, would, I would plead with you, choose life. Choose life in Christ. Because when we choose life in Christ, we choose this life that's for his honor, for his glory, and, and th- th- then, then we're made alive. I mean, he, he tells us in Ephesians that we're made alive. He talks to the Corinthians, he says, we're made alive. And this, this alive that we are, it's, it's alive to the life that Jesus is. It's the gospel life, and it's a life of sacrifice. I know that sounds kind of contradictory, like, so, so I, I'm, I'm alive to sacrifice? yes. Because our life now reflects and magnifies Jesus. He was born to be a sacrifice. And, and, and we tend to think, well, that's, that's just a contradiction because it means the it means, sacrifice means dying. Yes, it means dying to ourselves. What it means, it's not giving up, it's fully surrendering to Christ. That I now have been crucified with Christ, as he says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I share in that. It's no longer I who live, my sacrifice. And then if you want a real, real just clear idea of it, it's in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. He says, he says you know, present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's when it opens up this will of God. You know, We're like, well, God, I wanna know what your life is for me. I wanna know what your will is for my life. And we wanna wait and then to let him tell us and we decide if we wanna accept it. What, what, what we got to do is we say, God, it's not my life, it's yours, let's go. I mean, it's kind of that moment, Heather and I get in the car, where are we going to eat? I don't care. I just want to eat. That's how we walk into this life with faith. God, I don't care where we're going, as long as we're going to get. launched the church 11 years ago, it's, it was, God, we'll go anywhere you want us to go. I'm so grateful he called us to Fort Worth. I mean, it's awesome. I love Fort Worth. It's my favorite place. But it's a life of, of sacrifice, which means we, we constantly make this choice to be living sacrifices. And what sacrifice means is exactly that shift that Paul had when he says, What shall I choose? I can live, I could die. I don't know what to do. I'm hard-pressed, but I know it's better on your behalf. So, so a life of sacrifice means that we're putting others first. That's, that's what we're called to do. Listen, I'm, I don't want to get into preaching next week's message, but this is tying in. You need to read ahead, okay? Read ahead to chapter 2. You know, he gave his homework. I don't care what you call it. You, you read ahead because I, I'm struggling right now to just not preach both messages this weekend. And I'll get you out of here before next weekend, I promise. But man, there's so much going on because he's talking about the sacrificial life of Christ. And he really unpacks that next week. Um, so it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of purpose that God just doesn't go oh you're mine. God doesn't save us just to set us on a shelf. He calls us, he equips us, he gives us a purpose. It's been amazing to me. You know, this time 11 years ago, we were just sitting, just we were just like not even 2 months after launching the church, and I'm still in this thing going, what did we just do? I mean, it just I mean, it was kind of thing like we, we need trailers, we need equipment, we need people. You know, a greeter, what's that? You know, can you work a coffee machine? You know, I'm amazed at at how God has built such an incredible family at the creek. And our staff, I was just sitting in our staff meeting this week just looking at our team and just, you know, they're talking and figuring stuff out, but I just started thanking God. God, thank you for this team. They love you more than anything. And they love the people that you have called to the creek so deeply. I walk through and look at our our leaders, our volunteers, and the way they love. And and what that is, is, I mean, that's why we do Journey Track, y'all. We don't do it for us. We do it for you. Because we want to help you discover that God purpose in your life. There are people that, that, that kind of feel like, ah, I don't know about this thing. And then, they, then all of a sudden, God lights it up for them. And it, it, it's off the rails at that point. I, I was that way. I mean, I struggled in life. You know, I was in the corporate job and I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm trying to figure things out. And I just wasn't happy. I wasn't content. It wasn't like things were bad, but things weren't always good. And, and I, I just finally just said, God, I'm yours. It was a sacrifice. My life is yours. Do with it what you want. You want me to do what? <laughs> but I can't imagine. I can't imagine my life any other way. God always calls us to this beautiful, dynamic purpose. And then that purpose begins to produce the magnification of Jesus, the glory of God, and it produces hope. Paul says, I have a deep hope and encouragement that this will turn out for my deliverance, that this, there's this hope that comes in, the, in those moments. And, and listen, I'm gonna tell you some hard truth here, y'all. We like hope, but we don't like how we get hope. Because Romans 5, see, we like to break down scripture and go, what's the recipe for this, right? What are the three steps I have to do? I mean, especially for type A people, give me the list, the recipe for hope. Okay, go to Romans chapter five. They're gonna put this up for you. He, He says, since we've been justified by faith, We've got peace with God through Jesus, right? So faith opens the relationship with Jesus, and we have this privilege of believing in Jesus. Through him, we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's the hope, okay? I rejoice. There's joy in the hope, right? Joy in everything, joy in hope. Not only that, but there's joy in our sufferings. Why? Because for those who are in Christ and have that hope that's planted in Christ through faith, that we know that the suffering produces endurance. Why do we need endurance? Because we're going to go through it again, y'all. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through stuff. We'll just say stuff, okay? But we need that endurance. That's perseverance. And we know that that endurance... Produces character. What is that? God is using the trials in my life and giving me perseverance, and he's shaping something in me to look more like him. He's producing his character in me, and character produces hope. Okay? Let me give you, because some, sometimes it's like A to B, B to C, C to D. Okay, let me go A to D. Hope comes from suffering but it's intentional with what God does in us and what we do with God in the process between suffering and hope. And God doesn't leave us hopeless. He doesn't leave us helpless. He calls us to a choice, to choose life. And listen, you might be in a tough spot. You might be in that hard moment, that dark night of your soul. You might be in a difficult place. And you may be wrestling with some choices. You may be wrestling... And and listen to me. I've counseled people over 18 years that have sat before me and have wanted to choose not life, but choose death because they felt that was the easy way out. Listen to me. Please, listen to me. Lock in. I have walked with too many families through that horrific incident of a family member taking their own life to say that's an easy way out. Listen, Paul wasn't giving up on life. When he said to die is gain, he wasn't giving up on life. He was surrendering himself to the will of God. And if you're in a dark place right now, I I just wanna encourage you, please choose life. Choose life. Life. We are here. We love you. We are here. We will help you. We will walk through it. We're in this together. That's what church is. It's family. Choose life, but choose the gospel life. Choose to surrender the hurt, the pain, the darkness, the despair, the hopelessness, the depression, the anxiety, everything that is enveloping in you to say the only way out, the only way out, the only way out. Let me tell you, surrender in that moment. To say, Jesus, I, I don't want my life anymore, but I want yours. And instead of giving up, Jesus, I'm giving in. And he will move you into that life of sacrifice and purpose. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Please hear me. He will restore because he loves you and he gave himself for you and he paid for this life for you to choose. Father, we love you and we thank you that you love us more than we could ever imagine. That there's, you said in your word in Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate us from your love. And I'm so grateful for that. And today you're setting before us a choice to choose life or death. And and many of us find ourselves sometimes in, in difficult situations where we're asking ourselves, what do I choose? I'm asking God by your power to help us choose life, to choose you, to live for you, to live a sacrifice for you, live a life of sacrifice, to live a life of purpose and live a life of hope God, you are not just the creator of all things, but you're the restorer of things. And I'm asking you to restore life today. I'm asking you to restore joy today. I'm asking you to restore hope today. For me to live is Christ to die as gain. yet which shall I choose? I choose your life. And where you're at, just would you tell God, I choose your life. That's your declaration to God to say, I in this moment, I'm choosing you, I'm choosing your life. Father, may our lives be lived in honor of you, in glory of you, until that day where you call us home. By the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at